Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Again, Jesus spoke to the chief priests and the Pharisees in parables, saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they could not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come, come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they'd found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, How did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, dear friends, do you ever find yourself frustrated? Yes, frustrated. Now, actually, that's a very vague question, and I suppose that it needs a little bit of context. How about do you ever find yourself frustrated with your friends, with family members, a spouse? How about your children? (laughs) Maybe frustrated with their reaction or perhaps lack thereof to their relationship that you have with them, unaffected, unchanged, maybe even stoic in a sense in their behavior and response. It can be so frustrating. Now, I know many of you will find this hard to believe, but I'm actually a grandparent. I know, I know. You look so young. (laughs) Your flattery is appreciated, but (laughs) yes, I am a grandparent. 
And we actually just welcomed our third grandson into family this week. And to help the parents get settled in, we decided to take the older brother of the new child to our house. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. We love our grandchildren. But a (laughs) two-year-old? A two-year-old can wear you down. And that's the beauty of being a grandparent, right? Because when you start to get wore down, (laughs) here you go. (laughs) Send them back to their parents for your reprieve. Um, But the situations this week, they didn't allow for that. You want to talk about frustration? (laughs) Try having an argument with a two-year-old. About, I mean, anything, really. Snacks, dinner, clothes, bath time, what we're going to watch on TV, (laughs) bedtime. (laughs) Frustration. Pure frustration. And sometimes nothing that we do, nothing that we provide is just what they want. And sometimes I can provide exactly what they want and what they ask for. But since they didn't do it themselves, well, well, it's not good enough. Frustration. And we're just talking about toddlers here. Teenagers? (laughs) Well, now that's an entirely different level of frustration. Friends, can you imagine how frustrated God must be with us? He has provided for us everything. I mean, anything and everything. But how do we respond? How do we react to his providence, his grace, and his mercy? Do we rejoice in the Lord always? Do we fully submit to our Lord's providence? Or do we still think that maybe we can provide for ourselves? Do things our way. That brings us to our readings. And I asked, do you recall a sermon? It's about two months ago that I delivered. It was titled Infinite Providence. And our gospel text for that day was from Matthew 14, and it told the narrative of the feeding of the 5,000. God's infinite providence. And today we have Jesus. He's in Jerusalem. It's Holy Week. And the Lord, he's been warning his disciples, his followers, as well as the Pharisees, the religious elite of what is coming, what will happen to him, as well of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he's been doing this through not only his witness, but also by using parables. And at this point, I think that we can sense his level of frustration. Jesus describes for us Today, this parable of a wedding banquet. 
And this theme, well, it can be laced throughout all of our scriptures. The bridegroom and the bride, this great feast, the wedding banquet, and wedding garments. Jesus taught about a king who had invited many guests to a banquet to honor his son. But all who were called to come made excuses for why they could not attend. And in response to this rejection, the king invited others, both bad and good people, to attend instead. And the wedding, it filled to capacity, including one man who did not have on the proper attire. And the king was insulted by his lack of respect, frustrated. Now, I think that we all can identify the different groups that this parable depicts. Those ones that were previously invited that seemingly blew off their invitation. Ancient Israel, perhaps. Pharisees. And much like the parable that we had last week, maybe even those in our present day that may be baptized, confirmed, but go on throughout their life on some type of autopilot, not fully submitting to our Lord's grace and his provisions. And those that were gathered, both good and bad, the Gentiles, tax collectors, prostitutes, and heathens. Remember the parable that we had uh, a few weeks ago with the two sons, the one that was asked to go and to work in the vineyard by his father, and he said no. But then later, he did go. And the other one said, well, I'll go, but then he didn't. These are those people that were brought in. The son that changes his mind and goes to work so that the banquet is full. We can even identify the host of this great wedding banquet, the father. The father is our father, God, our great provider, our great creator, and his son, the bridegroom. And we rejoice greatly in the bridegroom with his church as his bride. But then that brings us to the one who had on no wedding garment that was cast out into the outer darkness. Who do you discern this character in the parable to be? And before you reply that he must have been one of those who were invited secondly, but could not afford a wedding garment. That's certainly not the case. You see, in ancient time, it was actually customary for the wedding garments to be provided by the host. If he was there, 
he would have had a wedding garment given to him. Just like the others, the good and the bad invitees, they most likely all had a wedding garment provided for them by the host and his provisions. So it's not that he didn't have a wedding garment to put on, but no, it's that he refused to put it on. Maybe he even threw it to the ground because, well, it wasn't what he wanted to wear, like a two-year-old toddler in his footed pajamas. You see, denial is not just a river in Egypt. He denied the host's provisions. And it almost seems at this point that the host, he gives him another chance. Much like the father in the Garden of Eden who calls out to them, where are you? Friend, is the question that I can sense in his voice as he asks this guest, friend. But here, he is speechless. When left to his own provisions, there was nothing that he could say, nothing that he could do to merit his own attendance, but to submit to the host's mercy and grace. But he does not. Our psalm for today, 23, it begins with the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What do we have that the good shepherd doesn't provide provide for? And doesn't it seem like every guidance that we receive in the inspired word of God in our scriptures, it refers back to the commandments, our first commandment. You shall have no other gods. Yes, you should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. His providence. He provides for us all that we need, every provision. And we should rejoice in that. We should abide in that. Be glad and rejoice in his provisions, in his salvation in his mercy, and in his grace. Dear saints, Paul, he asks the question in 1 Corinthians 1.8, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? And the prophet Isaiah, he proclaims this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. God, God, the host has done this for you. In Paul's final words to the believers in Philippi, he encourages them to be joyful in the Lord, no matter what they may be experiencing. And he left them with an exhortation 
to pray. Rather than to worry, to pray, and to think only of the things that are true, honorable, and worthy of his praise. His words, the inspired word of God, are to us as well. As he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and by supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. Friends, you have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So do not deny his garment, his righteousness, his grace, his mercy and his peace. For the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, all frustration, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the great provider. Let us abide in him. Amen.